it's not about access, it's about the thinking and about addressing, figuring out who is your audience, what do you want to say, why do you want to say it, and how is that going to look good? And then how can you publish that in a way that you can measure, you can't measure everything, but you can measure whether people liked it. So there's a level of experimentation that's also possible with creative. Hello and welcome to the Digital Spaceship Podcast, a marketing journal hosted by Blue Drop Studio co-founder Anna Rowinska and myself, Omar Juman. This podcast has one vision, and that is to educate, inform, and inspire others who are trying to build their tech brand. Tune in and listen to us chat ideation, marketing, scaling, and everything in between with up-and-coming entrepreneurs, stakeholders, and investors in tech startups across the world. We'll be diving into the details and also hearing about the journey. So without further ado, let's jump into this week's episode. In this episode, we're speaking with Alison, founder and chief marketer at Trusted CMO. Trusted CMO is a firm that offers global marketing teams their resources, experience and talent to make a greater impact on their business. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Digital Spaceship Podcast. Uh, today, we're talking to Alison from Trusted CMO. Lovely to have you on the show, Alison. Thank you very much for taking the time to join us today, all the way uh, from San Francisco. Um, tell us uh, a little bit about yourself and what it is you guys uh, are up to. Well, first, thank you for inviting me. It's great to, to meet you and be, be here with you today. Um, cool. So uh, I am uh, the founder and chief marketer at Trusted CMO. It's a company that I had the good fortune to start in February of this year. Um, and uh, our primary objective is to help early stage companies fill marketing gaps. So it's everything from helping with product marketing, content marketing, um, brand marketing, but also all the go-to-market motions that early stage companies need from um, getting an SDR team off the ground to thinking through customer success plans and, and programs. So um, it's been a great year so far for me. I've met um, some amazing startups and I've had, you know, been very fortunate to get uh, referrals through some of the venture capitalists I know. So I'm in really enjoying the work that I'm doing and uh, it's varied and, and quite interesting. Um, prior to that, I was uh, the CMO of a company called Social Chorus, which has been doing also quite well during this time. Uh, the platform, it's a workforce communications platform that connects employees across enterprises. It's, um, they serve the Fortune 500. So um, they are doing well in a time when uh, companies need to tell employees what to do and when to go back to the office and when it's safe. Um, and, and prior to that, I was in, um, I've been in Silicon Valley, I've worked in Europe, I've done a lot, but mainly in technology um, and with uh, startups. Incredible. Um, that sounds super exciting. So how long um, has it been that Trusted uh, CMO has been uh, running? Well, we st I started the company in February of, of this year. Okay, awesome, oh, awesome. Yes. Um, was, it, was it just yourself who founded it or did you have a co-founder? It was me. I'm just, it's just me. Um, and the way that the business works is um, I am the, the business development head, really. Um, I mm -hmm. wear a lot of hats, obviously, chief marketer, founder, business development. Um, but I'm, I'm running a, a, a sort of a, I would call it a freelance syndicate <laughs> of, mm -hmm. of uh, a varied, 
you know, talented people all around the world, actually, not just in the US, but um, I have partners in Australia, I have partners in Finland, I have partners in the UK, um, and of course, all around the United States. And one of the reasons um, that I created the company like this, and it is a, a corporation, but um, is, is that I saw even before this pandemic um, that there was some, that the world of work was changing. Um, mm. And what I mean by that is that, in, and especially in the United States, when you become an employee at a company, typically, and especially at a startup, you are an at-will employee, which means, you know, you fall in love with the culture, you, you are part of a team, but something unfortunate happens at the company and the next day you could be fired. You might get a severance pay, but you are an at-will employee. And I think that cuts both ways. And, and because of that, over the last few years, I've seen colleagues of mine and just observed generally in companies that being an employee is not a sure thing. Um, mm. And so what I believe is that, and especially because of this pandemic, the way people think about work is really changing. And so part of my company mission is to give really talented people an opportunity to work on projects that they want to work on um, yeah. and to, you know, potentially acquire some new skills that maybe they wouldn't be hired to do at a company. But, um, you know, I am, I've, I've managed teams for 25 years. I've mentored people through, you know, through my time, I feel very committed to that. Um, and, so I just look for people with a great character who want to work really hard. And my husband <laughs> um, marvels at this because he works for San Francisco Unified School District, you know, maybe at a school that's 10 blocks from our house. And he's like, wow, you're hiring people and meeting people and paying them money. You've never met them in person. I said, well, to me, it doesn't matter. I can tell, you know, it's just a character thing. It's the work you do, and it and it also kind of cuts both ways. But they're professionals; they're freelance professionals, and I'm running a company. And it's you know we do what's best for each other. Sometimes it works, and sometimes it doesn't. But mostly, it's been working. So I'm incredible. Yeah. Cool. So so you work primarily with with startups. Then is that correct? That's correct. Um, yeah. This the sort of area that I've found where I've specialized is, um, I would say in VC ter terms, seed stage or series A. Mm -hmm. um, that means that they have a little bit of money um, or they just got maybe a 10 million round um, and they, they don't, they haven't really hired a go-to-market team. So they mm -hmm. might have, they might have somebody in sales, they might have one CS person um, and they might have one marketer, but generally they don't have any of that. So, um, so my role is First, to work with the CEO and understand their strategy and what they're trying to accomplish. And then the next is um, really digging into their business. What are they trying to do? How are they differentiated? What does their competitive landscape look like? And then coming up with a strategy from, from there. Um, and sometimes there's some surprising things um, that are part of a strategy that one wouldn't expect. Um, I worked for a company when I was full time based in Finland, uh, they did consumer insights and research based on a panel of consumers who had opted in to um, provide data around how they were using apps and, and websites. And um, what we found was we had some really interesting data that was third, you know, not from just Google or Amazon, but like from how people generally use apps. And we were able to publish um, a lot of content marketing, which is a great thing to have at most companies, but for this company in particular, it was everything. It, it was, 
unique insights that the journalists like to read. It was unique insights that uh, large companies who were serving consumers wanted to read. And that was everything for us. So mm. um, every company has a slightly different you know, superpower and advantage. And it's about finding what that is and, and helping them craft a strategy around that. Cool. Um, so, so what are some of the, the companies that you've, you've worked with um, since you, you've started up then? Um, so I, uh, a couple of companies, um, in, uh, specifically, um, I've been working with a company out of New York called Alchemy, A-L-K-I-M-I.io, mm -hmm. and they're a really great um, company. They're solving a problem around, um, in a lot for financial services, insurance companies, banks that have a sort of a heavy um, document component to their businesses. Um, so what they do is um, they are part of what we would call the first mile of data extraction. So imagine if you were um, an insurance company and you're processing all sorts of claims, um, you as an individual are getting tons of emails and tons of documents and you have to sift through those and put the data somewhere in a database, in a, in a spreadsheet. Um, and that's hours of time for people who are very specialized in their field. So what Alchemy does is um, uses uh, AI machine learning and visual um, computer vision um, to extract the data automatically in real time and assemble it in a format that domain experts then can review and say, okay, wow, I've got all my insights together. I can pull, publish a report or I can validate the data. And when they do that, it, the, of course, the machine learning gets better and better um, and, and understands the data for what it is. Um, so we're working with them specifically on telling some of those stories on some product marketing aspects. Another company I'm working with currently is based in France. Um, they're super as well, totally different business. They're called PlayPlay. PlayPlay is a video creation platform. Um, they are serve the enterprise and businesses more than sort of just consumers or small businesses like Illumin5 or, or Animoto. Um, PlayPlay Play has a very powerful platform that enables you to create a video in about three minutes. So if you go to their site, the CEO himself is doing a demo and he actually creates a video in three minutes. <laughs> and, um, so they are um, embarking on a big effort to go to market in the US. So that is what we're doing for them is, is helping them with every aspect of, of that. Um, and then there's been a few other companies kind of more highly technical and then also sort of in the brand creative space a little bit like Play Play. Um, so, so far I've worked with about 10 companies in this short time, which has just been fantastic. Yeah, that's, that's incredible. Um, it would be great to dive a little bit deeper into sort of, let's say the, the process in which you go through when you do, uh, let's say onboard a new, a new client, for example, if we take play play, um, and cause you said some, there was some branding work there, some creative work and a variety of other things. Um, so, so how does that, you know, how does that go? Um, when you, when you take on a new client, what, what's sort of the, the first things that, that you look out for and, and also, um, maybe before we answer that, so what stage, would a company be at um, for them to require your services? Yeah, so um, to answer that question, um, I'd mentioned you, typically they're what we would call seed stage or mm -hmm. seed day, but really, you know, what that means in sort of layman's terms is that they are ramping up their sales. They need yeah. to close deals, they need to be talking to customers, and as part of that, they need those customers to take their call and know who they are. And so um, it's often, you know, these this foundational program that we put in place. It's not, 
you know, the, the hard part is when, you know, and I've been a CMO at a much, at a larger company, you know, you have all sorts of resources, right? You have people, you have teams, you have designers you can pay, you have creative shops you can bring in to do the best thing ever. When you're at that stage, you don't have any of that, right? You've mm-hmm. got to, you, you've, you've, in fact, you've actually got to just lay down the foundation and frequently for me, talk to the CEO and explain what marketing is and how it works and why it's not making t-shirts or going to trade shows. It's, it's a strategic um, effort. And um, so, so, you know, at that stage, they don't have a team. They, they need outside resources. They need counsel. And frankly, it's a benefit to them. And the reason why it's a benefit to them to talk, to work with someone like trusted CMO is they don't, make the mistake of hiring the wrong person because they don't know what the strategy is. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very rare that I encounter a CEO, CEO or founding team that is really clear on their strategy, on their go-to-market strategy. It's, it almost never happens. And part of that is it's not their fault. They just aren't marketers. You know, They, they just aren't. And mm-hmm. they, they're great at sales. They have incredible vision. And part of our job is to pull it all together for them. So the process really is that I spend a fair amount of time at the front end. Um, once we agree, we want to work together, assessing, um, you know, their, their, their business overall from many different aspects. One is, you know, who's on the team? What are they saying about themselves? Where are their early wins? Who are their customers? And, you know, how do, obviously, how does their product work? How are they talking about it? how are customers leaning in and then the landscape around them who are their competitors what are they saying why are they not getting you know into a meeting with a potential customer when they should be um and doing a fair amount of of like basically it and we we this is part of our offering is we do an audit we audit everything now depend like there is sometimes a pretty wide gap between a seed stage company and a series a and series a could mean a lot more money than 10 million. It could also mean less money than 10 million. So sometimes companies have a full marketing team. PlayPlay Play has several people in marketing. So my role is a little different, different there. I'm, I'm helping them do something completely new for their business, which is go to the US and build a presence here. Um, so, so a lot of it is a, you know, just in quotes, it depends because it, it really is about where they are who they have on their team and where their wins are, you know, currently. And then whatever is working, we amplify that. What's not working, we try to fix that. And then what's not in place, we build it. So um, one of the reasons that, you know, when I was thinking about starting this business, I had taken a break after Social Chorus. I thought, you know, I just, I've been, I've been at startups for years on end with barely any break and decided to just take a few months to think about what's next for me. Um, And, you know, I've been, I'm sort of on the other side of my career. I've been in the Valley for 25 years. um, And, you know, I just, I really wanted to enjoy my work all the way and be, be, like I said, a little bit more um, intentional around the work I was doing. And the funny thing is that, when I started to think about where did I really, where was the hardest work I've ever done, but also the most rewarding. And I kept coming back to that early stage company, even though the building of the foundation was tricky and hard and like just, you know, sometimes really tedious because you have to just do everything from the ground up. And um, it, the impact that you have is so immense. Like if you get it right, 
you'll see success right away. You don't see that at bigger companies because there's so many more people involved. And in fact, the wins sort of don't sometimes feel like wins because you've been working for months on it and 20 people are involved and it's like, yeah, well, thank God we're here. Of course we're here. We've been working on it for 15. You know, whereas with a startup, it's like a month can make a huge difference. Just a month of work. So, um, so I, I think, you know, everyone is comfortable in different places. Some people are big company people. They don't like starting from ground zero, but I do. So I think that's probably the entrepreneurial mentality for me um, that uh, is driving that. Good stuff. And um, so just out of interest then, have you, have you worked on, you know, having been a, a chief marketing officer in a variety of different um, roles or, or companies and brands then? So have you worked much on, on branding as a speciality or part of that toolkit that you create? Yes. And I, and I think about brand maybe a little differently than, than some people. Um, one of the sort of things that I've published and spoken on is, um, and this is really geared towards young companies, is the you know, idea of building brand and demand, meaning your sales engine at the same time. Um, and what that's about is brand is, you know, some people could say your brand is like the way your website looks and the fact that there's like, you know, moving things moving across the screen or, you know, the way you talk about yourself yourself, the way your logo looks. And, you know, and that that's not not true that that's part of it. But um, I believe brand is really infused in everything you do as a company. So words are important, but it's also, you know, how do you talk to your customers? How do you interact with them? Like imagine if you're a SaaS product and you are, you know, on a faster hamster wheel than, than an enterprise company, you know, every day you've got people trying your product and then maybe churning um, or, you know, trying your product and staying or trying your product and never adopting it. Um, and all of the motions that you have to fix those problems or to accelerate the progress is part of your brand. So um, so think about one of the things that I think about a lot is customer success. And, and um, I did an interview um, series earlier this year or a couple months ago with a bunch of people in customer success because during the pandemic, um, you know, of course, all of the revenue generated people are panicking, like, oh my gosh, our customers, are, nobody's going to buy anything. You know, marketing's trying to do 18 different things to say, do you like this? Do you like that? And fundamentally, a lot of what was talked about and, and, and finally was sort of the epiphany that many people had, and but I, I sort of saw was the critical role is customer success because once you get a customer it's much easier to keep them than it is to acquire a new customer it costs less and what can you do to make sure that customer is happy to make sure they feel that they're listened to to help their adoption to teach them how to use your product and um i in most go-to-market scenarios customer success actually isn't part of that in fact what my interview series uncovered was customer success were like, God, we are now being pulled into revenue conversations. We were never in them before. And we have a lot to say about this. We don't like to just get the, you know, uh, have somebody drop a bag on our desk and say, okay, we sold this. Now it's on you. You know, mm -hmm. it, it should be a lot more collaborative. And I, I think again, we, things will probably change for a lot of SaaS companies. So brand getting back to brand, building brand is, in the way you interact and and 
Um, so, so I'll give a specific example. Like I think about a company, you know, and everybody knows this company, HubSpot, right? They're mm-hmm. a big company. They're not a little startup. But what I really loved about HubSpot when I became, I was at a startup, there was no one in marketing yet. And I had to get HubSpot installed and I didn't really know what I was doing. I tried to connect to Salesforce and it was a lot because I was also doing a lot of other things at the same time. And the HubSpot team was so great because they had already built into their product a checklist of all the things I needed to do. And first do this, then do this. We're on the call with you. Let's set the next meeting. And I was like, I could give them a giant hug right now because they made it happen for me. And they didn't have, they didn't have to, but they saw that getting customers to adopt and use their product was so critical to their business. And even though that's part of their job, sure. I was so thankful that they had taken the time to think through the experience of someone like me. Um, another great company whose brand I really admire, and again, it's not a big flashy bells and whistles, it's Notion. You know, Notion is an incredible product. And, um, you know, Camille Ricketts, who leads marketing, is one of my like content marketing heroes. Uh, she's just so amazing. And, you know, they spent their first, um, you know, several months really understanding their customers and helping their customers adopt. So a lot of their content is around like, how do you do this? How does this company that might be like yours use Notion? So that's what people need. And that is part of your brand. That's a, that's a very intentional decision um, that makes you, that helps you build your brand. Incredible. Cool. Um, one thing, one question I would love to ask then, you know, sort of following, following on with, I guess the whole, the whole branding. Um, we didn't talk much about creative, sort of the creative side of it. It was much more from a, a functional uh, logistical point of view, you know, being able to fulfill customers, et cetera, and, and have your brand values seep through um, those lines as well. But if we talk a little bit about creative content, cause it would be, it would be really interesting to find out your sort of take on this. So as a, you know, a CMO down and dirty in the trenches, building out strategy, you know, creating and executing on multiple different campaigns. And um, so what's, what's your opinion on creative content at the moment for, let's say for example, tech startups, um, you know, early stage tech startups that are trying to actually gain momentum over their competitors. Um, maybe, you know, there's some big dogs in the industry leveraging creative content. How can you leverage it as a small company to actually start to gain some traction? What's your, what's your opinion on that? Yeah. I mean, you know, creative content uh, that can mean a lot of things to different people, but you know, let's, let's just focus on one example, which might be video. Right. Uh, So, um, you know, I'm so fortunate to work with a company like play play because that is one their business. But, um, one of the things that, um, we're looking at is, you know, ways to, um, teach other people to use video, um, for their own use. So when you, when, if you, decide, hey, we want to use video in our marketing. Like, well, okay, not that you shouldn't, but why? Like, what is it that you're going to say? What is it that you can convey? What kind of, maybe it's it's um, a theme that you want to own that has very much to do with what your business is. Like, um, for example, with Alchemy, um, one of the aspects of their business is human in the loop. So we've got all these machines and machines do the repetitive tasks, but a human in the loop like me goes, huh, that number's interesting. Mm, I'm going to double click on that. No, let's change that. Boom. Machine learns. That's the human in the loop. It's, it's anything, anybody talking about AI right now knows that we're not anywhere near robots will do everything for us. It's just not there. So 
we have a uh, interview series called In the Loop. So what could I do with that with creative? You know, I could design a cool motion graphic that conveys the idea of AI and human in the loop. So, you know, with that example, it's, it's about sort of thinking through all of the, so, um, not just doing it for, for creative sake, but, but bringing that together with what you're saying about your brand and what you know about your customers. And um, the audience is quite important. And I, I see, you know, mostly because creative tools are much more accessible than they've ever been and people can do it themselves and startups can have access. Every time you open Product Hunt, there's eight more companies that can do something for you. It's not about access, it's about the thinking and about addressing, figuring out who is your audience, what do you wanna say, why do you wanna say it, and how is that gonna look good? And mm -hmm. then how can you publish that in a way that you can measure you can't measure everything, but you can measure whether people liked it. So there's a level of experimentation that's also possible with creative. So, you know, my biggest piece of advice is, is take time to think it through and look at examples and then own what you can, you know, yeah. copy everybody, but, and don't just do it because that, that's one of the things about marketing that's so hard for people is as a marketer, uh, we're all like, I'm on a Slack channel of all these CMOs and we, it's the best Slack channel ever because there's so many resources on it, right? It's like, hey, I need somebody who does, you know, SDR work or I need this or who can recommend this and that. It's awesome. But we also have the danger of copying each other, like, and not being innovative and not stepping away from what everyone else is doing and breaking out, you know, with a new format or a new idea um, because it's scary, you know, and when it sometimes it won't work and you've invested all this time in it. So that's why the, the initial thinking is so important. Um, and, and I would say the second thing is just because you own marketing doesn't mean that you're the one who has to make all the decisions. You know, you can, obviously you can call agencies or whatever, but there's, there are, a lot of like I found it within my teams, there were people who just had really cool ideas and I'm like, let's try it. Why not mm -hmm. try it? As long as it felt like it wasn't something that was completely um, going to completely miss the mark with who we were talking to. Wicked. Um, and and what, what, what's your sort of stance on organic versus paid then in the the, the digital space what do you think you know is organic more powerful is paid more powerful are they you know their own things in their own right they shouldn't be compared you know what's, what's your stance on that yeah that that's a tricky one and, and honestly i feel like it's evolving all the time yeah. um you know i've seen companies who are either SaaS companies um that have just poured i'm talking millions into paid um like you know just millions and gotten still have a 20% churn. They don't care. They're growing. They yeah. have them, you know, and it's, I find it to be uh, just, it's kind of like breaks my heart because I'm thinking there's all these other cool companies that could use that million dollars to get off the ground. Mm -hmm. That being said, you know, as a marketer, most of us really care mostly, uh, we, we care most about organic traffic. Um, organic traffic shows that whatever you're doing on your site and your content, if that is increasing, then you're getting more people um, to know about you or reading, you know, about your product or reading your blogs. So organic is kind of, to me, the, like, that's what you want. Now there is a place for paid, but again, why? Um, so one of, um, when I, 
you know, in my previous role at CMO, like what, this was, we didn't have giant budgets for advertising. We just, we didn't. But if we were going to spend money, um, we would spend it on advertising directed to the um, buyer that we were trying to um, sell to. So, or the, the account we were trying to sell to. So we practiced account-based marketing, like any typical enterprise company. And we had a list of accounts um, that we and people who had been leaning in that we would serve ads to and with very specific content based on their buying stage. So it was an, an, you know, kind of a scientific process and that worked really well for us. Actually, I was, I, in fact, I was actually quite surprised how well it worked. Um, and, you know, but at the same time, we had a very active content marketing practice. And so um, we, you know, had a lot of small victories. We're like, wow, our organic, you know, traffic just went up like, Kind of a lot and, and that's because we invested in seo you know not at a giant level but at enough to really make a difference and we're publishing content that was relevant to the buyer mm, absolutely and, and so you know we've mentioned a variety of different i guess marketing methods especially within the, the digital space you know talking about creative content paid organic uh, talking about things like branding and how that sort of seeps through into the the, the business overall um so all of these things in my opinion are sort of linked together by mapping out sort of customer journeys and understanding you know from a to z and beyond how is it that a customer can move through these things? We focus a lot on things within the digital space. We don't necessarily do any sort of traditional um, methods of marketing. So like for us, customer journeys are incredibly important and possibly one of the first places to start um, sort of post figuring out who that customer is. So, you know, what's, what's your stance on customer journeys? Is that something you guys place a lot of emphasis on or? Yeah. Yeah, I, I think... It's interesting, um, you know, it's kind of like persona work sometimes, not, it's not the same, but, but um, sometimes you find that you have so much to do in marketing that you leave the customer journey aside till you have time to do it. And, mm. and what I've learned, um, and personas are the same, like, oh, I guess we'll go back and do personas. I actually have kind of fallen out of love with personas, not that they don't matter, but, um, you know, there's a lot of the, the sort of like, what magazines did they read? You're like, who cares if you're selling like enterprise software? I mean, okay, it's... <laughs> like, come on like, that's sort of a it's sort of a waste of time what you need to understand is what who is this person in the organization what is their job what is their role in your and even in your sales process so that takes you to sort of a micro look at what would be an overall customer journey you know who are who are the people that you're likely to acquire and based on your product because you know of course if you if anybody can buy it um it, and it's like you know slack or a notion or something where you become a subscriber and you do things with it um and you go deeper and you can bring more people in your organization that's sort of one motion one customer journey when you're in the enterprise space um you typically will have a champion of, of sorts who's you know got a problem to solve and they're the ones that um, either will, you know, advocate for your solution and get a check signed or they're the check signer themselves. And um, within that business buying context, there's several people who are very influential in that. So a customer journey really is partially, um, you know, understanding the dynamics of selling and marketing, but also then, as you say, okay, let's take that champion. How do they find out about us? How do they get to our site? What do they do next? 
okay, they're now in the sales process. They've become a customer. What are they doing? Are they going on to our, you know, do we need to build out more uh, learning content for them or do videos? So it's, it's, I, I, and I think it partly is parallels what is possible in digital that to me, customer journeys have become something that you, at the beginning of, you know, for me working with a company, it's something we want to understand, but we don't have all the data because we haven't done enough to know like how they're going to move through. So we can only imagine and we can guide them, but um, it's probably something that we do a few different times because mm. we'll get more data on it and then can change or evolve as needed constantly something that's just updated as and when you get that data through right it's just completely evolving exactly exactly and i i you know i have to say it's it's not it's something that um you know i'm i'm still kind of digging into and i'm not as familiar with all the solutions to really keeping tabs on the customer journey and there's there's probably some part solutions that out there but uh, you know i i you may know better than me but I venture to say that there's not really a one good way to pull it all together at this moment. I hope there will be, but, um, you know. Yeah, absolutely. I'm sure there's a variety of uh, SaaS products that help you sell SaaS products that help you sell SaaS products out there, right? So. <laughs> and then uh, if we sort of look back now, because uh, obviously creating customer journeys and understanding the customer, it has to happen gradually. You have to get back to it and revise that and learn from it, right? So, for example, if we go back to the very beginning of a journey of a tech startup, um, so we have a founder or a couple founders, and let's say no one in that team has any experience within the branding and marketing mm -hmm. sector. So... What would your advice be um, in starting to think about those topics and, and when is a good time to do that? Yeah, that's a really great question. So, I mean, I think the, the first, you know, I'm gonna answer the second question first, which is timing. Um, so, you know, one, one kind of bit of current wisdom is we have a product-led, we're gonna do product-led growth. You know, we're, this is what we, this is how we're going to build our company. And I'm not saying that's wrong. I mean, if you build a product that everybody wants, that's great, but that's probably not realistic for most companies. So I think that it's really important for founding teams to consider, um, it's not like, hey, we need marketing and we don't know anything, but they have to really think about at some point, they're going to need to let people know they've built a product and how are they going to do that? Um, so I don't know if you're familiar with um, Phil Liven, who started Evernote. He started a new company called mm -hmm. Okay, so M M. <laughs> I think maybe a H M M. Right. So it's right. Yeah. It's <laughs> I have a beta sitting in my inbox. I just need to shut my computer down so I can install it properly. But one of the things that impressed me, and now he's been around the block many times, so he knows. But they hadn't even most people didn't even have beta access and they were already marketing. They were already on social, they mm. were already stories. They were already showing aspects of their product to build buzz around it. And mm. I was really, I mean, they didn't have to do that, but they know that if they want people to download it and to, to use the product and get the feedback they want, they have to publicize it. And that is mm. marketing. So, so the, so the second answer to your question is how do I talk to them about it? I, it's, it's not like you don't know what you're talking about. This is marketing. It's my area. It's getting their minds 
wrapped around what marketing is and isn't, you know, what, what is needed to happen now and what can wait. Um, you know, sometimes I look at startups, I'm like, they're like, okay, we, we, we're, we're in a panic. We've got to sell. We got to let people know we need to build our brand. And I'm like, okay, but you have two Twitter followers. Like who loves that? You know, like, come on guys, that's basic, you know? So, so that, and that's not really like where we're going to add value. We're going to add value in the strategy and, and providing resources to help them grow. So, you know, that conversation with founders of, you know, really understanding that go to market, which partly is marketing, but marketing is part of revenue now, you know, that's how it goes. It's not just t-shirts and, and tchotchkes, right? It's, it's, we're all in this go to market effort. Definitely. Awesome. And so before we move on to sort of wrap up the wrap up this episode, um, looking back over, I guess, not just since you started trusted CMO, because you have been in the, the CMO position in a variety of different companies, it would be great to, to sort of look back over that journey. And for anyone who's ex- aspiring to actually, you know, maybe create their own startup, take it from napkin to real thing, or, you know, um, maybe it's someone who's who's already begun that journey they're already halfway down it and they just want to hear some some words from someone who's been there you know what would be your advice to them um and and give it a sort of a marketing spin yeah so um if you know somebody first of all i love entrepreneurs and i would encourage anybody to start their own thing you know as i said in the very beginning um we're, we're the world is changing around work and if you know no one ever has to be stuck in a crap job you know i mean if they have a great idea and they see a market for it and they understand what that could be and it they gotta try they have to try like why not you know don't be afraid and there's plenty of people around um that give advice i mean i do office hours all the time um so that's number one um but the advice i would give them is you know spend the time when you're starting up to learn everything you can about the business you're in. Like, don't be afraid to spend hours on your computer doing research of competitors you think might become, well, obviously your competitors. Um, I was involved in a music startup uh, over 10 years ago. Um, It was a really interesting idea to disrupt um, music licensing. So if you're familiar with when you see a commercial on television and they're using a song, somebody, had to get that license um, so the artist got paid. And in fact, for artists, that's one of, besides going on tour, it's one of the biggest ways they can make money. Um, And even if you're like a little small YouTube person, like you can make money that way. But the way the business was structured was that it was like phones, faxes, lawyers, like there was no, it was filled with friction. Now there's a bunch of people who are trying to disrupt it, but frankly, it still hasn't been disrupted. So in order to understand this business, I had to go out and look at all of the stock music people, all the, you know, talk to lawyers, talk to like everyone and really understand the market. So that's advice point number one is immerse yourself in whatever the business is you think you're going to be in. The second is talk to the beneficiaries. So in this particular instance, we had two, two types of customers. We had the music supervisor who was going to acquire the music. And then we had the artists themselves and we had to serve both. This was like a marketplace in a way. Um, So what did the artists want? Where were they getting screwed by the record labels? You know, where could they, where was their upside for them? What did they, what were they willing to part with if it was like a stock piece of music? How, and then I talked to people who were in charge of music. Like I went to Sony and was like, how do you compose music for your games? And they're like, well, actually we have a whole, 
we have a bunch of session musicians and they do it. And I'm like, oh wait, what? It's like bespoke. Yeah, we don't buy music. Okay, well that's off the table. But there's all these mobile games, they do. So it was like really understanding what what that dynamic was. And then the third was the product. We were coming to um, realize that, and this was a long time ago, so the technology wasn't really there, but a lot of what where music was being bought was for video. And in order to see what music was right, it was a really laborious process to go through like a million different song options where you could just drag and drop. And, and that technology at the time wasn't democratized the way it was, is now. It was like Ableton, Pro Tools, like you had to have, or Adobe, you had to have something technical. You had to know how to do it. Yeah. GarageBand maybe, but you know, it, it just, it wasn't easy for someone to go, oh yeah, that gothy sound is going to work really great for my video or like my little thing. We saw this coming where we are now and mm-hmm. we just, it was a struggle and we never really, we got, we got some VC meetings, we got sort of got off the ground, but then we ended up saying like, this is just really hard. Like we don't, we just don't think the market is here. So I think that, you know, what I learned in that was I loved understanding this dynamic and seeing the opportunity. Um, we, I think what's hard is sometimes you see all the possibilities and then you just know that you're gonna be pushing a rock uphill and spending a lot of money just trying to make something happen when you don't have maybe all the right people on your team or you're you know, not um, something, the technology isn't there, you would need this like amazing engineer. So you got to make a decision after you do your foundational resource, like research, is this the right thing to be doing right now? You know, um, the other part of it too, is just like ability to hustle and work hard. You know, I, I think that's one of the big, one of the big, again, another big reason for me starting this company is I forgot how much I love the BD process, the business development, the meeting customers, you know, talking to them and saying, can I work with them? Do they want to work with me? Like, I love it. And I, in fact, I kind of love it more than marketing sometimes because it's just fun to learn about these companies. So, you know, you have to be as a founder real, like what are your gifts? You know, what can you do? And then what else should other people do? Like when I'm doing content marketing, I can edit and I can see the idea, but I have other writers who help me because I can't do everything. It's going to take me too long. So, so as a founder, you know, like do your research, be prepared for the hustle and be real with yourself about what your strengths are and what your weaknesses are and find people who can help you. And sometimes it doesn't work, but hopefully it will. So a massive thank you to Trusted CMO for speaking to us. You can find him online at trustedcmo.com. You're listening to the Digital Spaceship Podcast, a marketing journal by Blue Drop Studio a digital marketing and creative content agency based in London, UK. We're on a mission to grow the tech brands of tomorrow with creative content and social media advertising. Check us out on LinkedIn and bluedropstudio.com or hit us up on social at HeyBlueDrop on Instagram, Facebook or Twitter. Your hosts are at Anna Rowinska and at Omar K. Juman. If you want to talk about digital marketing for your brand, drop us a line at hello at bluedropstudio.com. Thanks so much for listening and we'll see you in the next episode.